0: sleepcoolnow.com 1212
1: Welcome to this hour number 1 of the world according to Zig podcast for this Sunday February 12, 2017, I am your host, John Ziegler. This is the show where we talk about the news of the week and the events of my often bizarre life and where we provide you with a full two-hour oasis of honesty and rationality in the the desert of insanity and deceit, which is the American media, cultural, and political landscape. Specifically, this is about the only podcast I know of where you can get a full-throated conservative perspective uninfluenced by... The cult that is now the Trump administration and the state-run media, which has become the so-called conservative media, the former bastion of truth that was talk radio and Fox News Channel. Now in this new era, this post-truth era, this very strange world in which we're now living in, this podcast provides you that conservative perspective without any adherence to the king. Donald Trump. We've got a great show for you today coming from rain-drenched California as this horrendous drought we were told two years ago was going to be catastrophic and never-ending because of climate change and global warming. As uh, many of you in the Northeast are recovering from the blizzard, so much for global warming, at least uh, for this week. I'm sure by summertime, that'll be back, even though it has no logic in my view, or basis in reality. Of course, when you create your own reality, you can do whatever you'd like, but I digress. So in our number two of the podcast today, really excited to be joined by David Frum, former Bush speech writer and senior editor at The Atlantic, who has written an extraordinary piece about Donald Trump called How to Build an Autocracy and his very scary vision for the future. So in hour number two, David Frum will be our guest. In hour number one, as is usually the case, I'll review the news of the week. Much of it, yes, has to do with Trump. But I have to start (laughs) with what happened at the Super Bowl last week, because we recorded last week's podcast before the Super Bowl. And one of the many things that I can't stand about our culture and our short attention spans, and all this is related to Trump, by the way, almost all these phenomenon, these societal phenomena that I discuss, play at least some role in how we get Donald Trump as president. And one of them is our incredibly short attention spans. The media has a remarkably short attention span. So even an event now as large as the Super Bowl, and there's no bigger television event on a yearly basis than the Super Bowl. It's not even close. It's the only event where almost half Of America is actually watching the same thing at the same time. And even that is only, you're only allowed to talk about it for a couple of days and then it's old news. And um, I think that that's not just sad because when that happens, events don't matter, right? If there's no afterglow to an event, then it diminishes its meaning. And eventually that catches up with you, whether that's in sports, entertainment, politics, what have you. But I'm a big believer that looking at the past actually has some value, which is one of the reasons why I'm a square peg in a round hole world uh, and things you know, haven't been going very well for me for the first 49 years, almost 50 of my life. It's because I'm a look at the past person and we're living in a world where everyone wants to talk about what's going to happen next. The future is what matters. What happened a minute ago is almost irrelevant. So with that said, The Super Bowl was extraordinary on a couple of levels. I, I, like most people, uh, completely wrote off the New England Patriots. In fact, this was a lot like the presidential election. Myself and a lot of other people were dead wrong about uh, three-quarters of the way through, thinking this thing was over. There was no real chance for the Patriots to come back, and yet they did. Boy, that escalated quickly. Yeah, out of nowhere. I mean, it, it was clear that the Patriots were going to make somewhat of a game of it. I mean, I didn't expect the game to end at 28-3. to I figured they would, you know, Patriots would make amount a faux comeback just to keep everybody interested. But then the Patriots would end up winning by at least a touchdown or so. And that's what should have happened if the Falcons hadn't choked. Uh, but they did. But then again, they could have choked. And if it weren't for Tom Brady being Tom Brady, the Patriots still would not have won. So... An amazing comeback. I, I missed a lot of it because, you know when you have a a four year old your life is dictated by the four year old. We were at a party with my uh, in-laws, and we had to drive back uh, because it was past bedtime. And we figured the game was pretty much over. And the radio broadcast was horrible, by the way. And so I didn't really get a full appreciation of it until I watched the replay. and You know, uh, one of the many parallels between the Super Bowl and the presidential election is that not just the comeback, the comeback's the easy parallel. And of course, there's the parallel that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, the coach of the Patriots, are apparently Trump fans and vice versa. But there's also the, the, the comparison that the Patriots had to have five, six, maybe seven things happen in consecutive order. None of which were miraculous in and of themselves, but all of which were like basically 50-50 shots, maybe a little bit better, maybe a little bit worse. And that's what Trump had to do. Trump had to run the table, winning coin flip after coin flip, as I referred to them. And statistically, you're not supposed to win six or seven coin flips in a row. It's almost impossible. Well, that's what happened with the Patriots. They had about six or seven plays that if they don't go their way, and every single one of them did, they don't win the game. And so uh, I also found it interesting and bit typical of our bizarro world in which we now live in when there's very limited accountability. Often people fail miserably and actually benefit from it. Like, you know, off the top of my head, Steve Harvey is still hosting the Miss Universe pageant after blowing – The only job you have, which is to declare the proper winner. In fact, it probably got him more money out of the deal, more fame out of the deal. So the Atlanta offensive coordinator who blows the game by taking his own team out of field goal range when they could have clinched it with four minutes left to kick a field goal, he actually gets a head coaching job like the next day in San Francisco. So he gets a massive promotion. Well, he's replaced by an alcoholic, Steve Starkesian, the former coach at USC. He got bounced out for being an alcoholic, goes to Alabama for literally one game, loses that game. And now he's the offensive coordinator for the, the Falcons and the defensive coordinator. And frankly, I thought the Falcon defense did pretty well until they got exhausted in the fourth quarter. They played a hell of a game for three quarters. He gets fired. So none of it makes any damn sense. But taking this out of the sports realm, Here's what I think the really important, uh, interesting cultural aspect of what happened with the Super Bowl is. The ratings were not that great. Now, they weren't terrible, but see, I think a lot of times when we look at whether it's ratings or whatever it is, stock market, uh, real estate prices, the, the job market, what have you, we're evaluating them in a vacuum as opposed to evaluating them based upon what they should be based upon the circumstances. And so the ratings were down from the previous year. Still very strong, still by far the largest broadcast that'll happen this year, you know, that's at least planned, barring some sort of, you know, massive terror attack or something. Uh, But the the reality is this. I can't imagine how you could find a more ratings-friendly Super Bowl than this one you have a massive celebrity who's well known for an extended period of time and Tom Brady married to a supermodel Giselle so therefore the women you know when it's Tom Brady it's okay to to have it on you know regardless of, of the male female ratio in the room i mean if my and my wife's not a huge Tom Brady fan but i know that i I can get away with watching a a New England Patriots game or something that's, let's say, a feature on Tom Brady, far more than I can on almost anybody else. I can get away with Aaron Rodgers. Why? Because Aaron Rodgers is dating a, a TV star, and his brother was on The Bachelor. So, therefore, I can get away with Aaron Rodgers, and I can get away with Tom Brady. So, so Brady gives a pass to everybody to watch this game. And you got, you know, obviously, the, the going for the five Super Bowls with Brady and Belichick. It's a record. Everyone loves or hates, mostly hates New England. You have an upstart team in Atlanta, which, but still a pretty large market, Atlanta, uh, that hasn't been there in a long time. So, two white quarterbacks, which I think helps. Uh, and, and that's a whole other story for another day. I actually think the NFL is it has revised its rules to make sure that there are plenty of star white quarterbacks because they realize that without star white quarterbacks, they're screwed in the long run, and they're going to become the NBA uh, with regard to demographics. But anyway, the reality is this. That game should have had record TV ratings, and it did not. And that's a problem. That's a problem for the NFL. That's a problem for sports in general. And let's take this out of the Super Bowl for a second. This past year, and I've been a sports fan all my life, not nearly as big as I used to be, but I am rather confident we have never seen a string of sports championships be as compelling and as exciting as we have seen in the last 12 months, starting with Villanova's incredible victory in the NCAA Basketball Championship, you got. You also had a the NCAA football championship game was epic, with the Alabama losing to Clemson. You had an NBA championship that was historic, an amazing comeback. LeBron James defeats the greatest team maybe ever. You have the Chicago Cubs winning their first World Series in Game Seven under dramatic fashion, first win in over a hundred years, and then you get a Super Bowl that is as I just described. And yet ESPN is losing subscribers. Television ratings for sports are not that great. And uh, I think there's a major problem. I think there's too much of it. I think fragmentation has killed a lot of the magic to it. I, it there, you know, Keith Jackson, who I spoke to, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, I spoke to him on the phone, the legendary ABC college football broadcaster, when he was made what probably is his last TV appearance at the Rose Bowl, uh, he happened to mention that there's overexposure. There's too much of it. And, you know, it's interesting how, how you know, old people often have very wise things to say, especially when they don't give a damn. And I think that was very wise. There is too much of it. Everything is diluted. It's not, this is way beyond sports, by the way. But sports is just a great example of it. Everything is diluted. And nothing is special anymore. And I think that sport, you know, all of sports, the business model of sports is based upon television ratings. All of it. All these massive salaries, it's based upon projections on television ratings. I mean, at least the vast majority of it. And I think sports in general is now one of the largest economic bubbles in America today. I think the sports bubble, the academia bubble, I think there's a stock market bubble, although it might be a while before that burst. I think there's a real estate bubble, but sports is right up there. Nothing will top academia. Academia is the biggest economic bubble that there ever is, or ever has been in my lifetime. When when you're forcing people to pay routinely at a hundred, two hundred, sometimes three hundred thousand dollars for an undergraduate degree that's almost worthless in many cases. I mean, there's only there's only about maybe ten to Twenty undergraduate degrees that really guarantee a job of any real worth in this day and age. Uh, it's it's just it's just flat out ridiculous. So anyway, that those are my thoughts um, on the Super Bowl. By the way, there's one other thing related to the Super Bowl I, I wanted to share, and that is, you know, last week I did talk about Trump's interview before the Super Bowl with with Bill O'Reilly, and we played a clip from that, and you know, the the reality is that, you know, he made a statement that was very pro-Putin. He said he respects him. And then, you know, kill, O'Reilly says, well, he's a killer. And Trump says, well, there are a lot of killers out there. We're not so innocent. Right? And when we played the clip, we knew we didn't have the full context because Fox only released a small portion of it. And there was at least some hope. Okay, maybe... Maybe there's more to this that gives us a better understanding of what he really meant. Well, guess what? There was more to it, <laughs> and, and it wasn't good. As a matter of fact, it was really bad. I, I wrote a column about what we learned about the full Donald Trump Super Bowl interview with Bill O'Reilly for Mediate, and you can see that at our website, freespeechbroadcasting.com. I urge you to go to freespeechbroadcasting.com and check out all the columns, but this one in particular— because I break down what Donald Trump said after the clip that was pre-released from the interview. And to me, it's so much worse, because he brings up to O'Reilly, after that clip was over, the issue of the Iraq War. Now, this was absurd on many levels. The first was he tried to claim, for like the hundredth time, that he was against the Iraq war from the beginning, which is bullshit. It's not true. It's just not true. There's no record anywhere of him saying he was against the Iraq war. The only statement that's on the record before the Iraq war was him telling Howard Stern of all people, yeah, I guess I'm in favor of going into Iraq. That's it. Now I'm not saying that maybe he wasn't against well hell with Trump he, he takes every position in anything depending on what his mood is so my guess is yeah he probably was one day I, I i have no doubt that some at one point he told his buddies yeah i think this is a bad idea he probably also told his buddies i think we ought to go in there and kick some ass take some names so in his mind because he told one guy sometime although he's he's claimed it was Sean Handy which i don't believe remember he, he claimed that at a debate I told Sean Hannity, as if you're going to believe that. He's going to use Sean Hannity as his character witness, his, his butt boy, to, uh, Sean Hannity, who who would, uh, you know, at this point is is ba- basically the guy's mother. Uh, so the, 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 the reality is, I don't think Sean Hannity and Donald Trump were very close at all before 9 11. Sean Hannity wasn't a big enough, or after, just even after 9 11, Sean Hannity wasn't a big enough celebrity yet. And Trump wasn't a conservative yet. So I've never believed that story at all. The reality is, though, even more important than lying about whether he was against the war in Iraq, Trump then uses the war in Iraq to equate it to Putin being a killer. Now, this is outrageous. And in another world, in an alternative universe where we weren't being bombarded with outrages constantly that are desensitizing us, that alone would be a week-long story for condemnation in the formerly conservative media, now state-run media. In fact, if Obama had said this, if Obama had said, well, you know, we went into Iraq, so we're just as bad as Vladimir Putin, who's a killer. No, 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 no. Let's be clear. Putin is a murderer. I'm not sure what why O'Reilly gets hung up on the word killing. It's probably because all his books have that word in it. Killing Kennedy, killing Lincoln, killing Reagan, all that stuff. But it's there's a difference between killing and murder. He's intending murder. Putin is a murderer of his political opponents. He's a murderer of innocent people and countries that Russia has illegally invaded. Okay? That's murder. That is not what we did in Iraq. That's not close to what we did in Iraq. And for... President Trump to say that is factually wrong and indicates he has not a fucking clue what we did in Iraq, which is scary. What we did in Iraq, both times, by the way, both times was we, with the authority, invested in us because Iraq had broken UN resolutions. And the second time we went into Iraq, which I guess is what he's referring to, Bush 43, the quote-unquote Iraq war, the reality is this. Iraq had been in violation of the ceasefire agreement made the first time by Bush 41, had been in violation of numerous UN resolutions. Just ask Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity, back when he was a conservative, used to talk about this constantly. So Trump apparently hasn't talked to his butt boy boy, uh, Sean Hannity about these UN resolutions and why it is that we had every legal authority to go into Iraq. And there's not any evidence at all that the United States government purposely, knowingly killed innocent people in Iraq like Vladimir Putin has done. It's There's no moral equivalence. And yet our president, an alleged Republican president, is making that argument. It's scary. It's absurd. It's wrong. And it's particularly outrageous why he's doing this as president. He did it before, by the way, as a candidate, but in a, I thought it was even when he did it as a candidate to Joe Scarborough, it was not nearly as outrageous in the verbiage that he used. But he did it now as president during the Super Bowl pregame show, which is the venue matters, folks. The Super Bowl is basically a national holiday. It's, it's, it's effectively now the winter version of the 4th of July. And here he is disparaging America and lying about what we did. And by the way, disparaging the sacrifice that our soldiers made in Iraq. And just for good measure, Bush 41 was coming out of the hospital during that broadcast to flip the coin before the game. So here, which he had to know. So here he is. Part of the same pregame show that bush forty one, and he's effectively equating, although he's probably not smart enough to realize this, he's effectively equating bush forty one with Vladimir Putin. and And Bush is in a in a wheelchair coming out to flip the coin for the Super Bowl. and yet basically silence from the conservative media on this. And if Obama had said anything close to the same thing, there would have, the worlds would have crumbled. Instead, nothing, because they're all sellouts. It's all state-run media now. Now, there's so many things that happen this week. It's becoming difficult, really is, with regard to Trump, to be able to to, to delineate what's the greatest outrage, what's really important, what's not so important, I mean, you could do five, six hours now, or at least I could, on all the crazy shit that's happening within the Trump administration. I want to, I guess, start with Kellyanne Conway's contributions this week because just wow. I mean, how Kellyanne Conway, the counselor to the president who um, was parodied last night on Saturday Night Live in an in a uh taped skit where she basically plays the Glenn Close character in Fatal Attraction with uh, CNN's Jake Tapper. How she uh has not been fired yet is beyond my comprehension. Uh, but let's go back to last week. Remember she's the one who um you know very arrogantly claimed, you know the media doesn't cover things like the uh Bowling Green massacre because they just they just they they want to censor this uh, the, this horrible phenomenon. And By the way, I, I actually agree to a certain degree, to a certain extent with the overall point that there's elements of Islamic terrorism. By the way, by the way, one of that is referring to it as Islamic terrorism, which the news media has no stomach for. That to me should be the focus. You guys don't want to call it what it is you don't want to say what the real root causes are but the idea that they don't cover it is just it's just flat out ridiculous well here's here was kelly and conway last week which sets up what happened this week
0: i bet it's brand new information to people that president obama had a six-month ban on the iraqi refugee program after two iraqis came here to this country Mm. were radicalized and they were the master masterminds behind the bowling green massacre most people don't know that because it didn't get covered
1: Yeah, most people don't know that because it didn't happen. Now, her explanation on this has uh, changed numerous times, which is never a good sign. I said on last week's podcast, you know what I think what really happened here is that she got fragments of information and within the Trump bubble— they decided that this is what happened. They like created their own alternative reality, and they started to really believe that there was a Bowling Green massacre. One person probably used those words, and you know, because the, there was there was some semblance of reality in the underlying story that she was telling there, but she got all the details wrong. Well, I, I think that was somewhat substantiated because we learned earlier this week that she has said this. Several times. It wasn't just the one time. See, if you misspeak, is what she claimed, you say that one time and you meant terrorists and you say massacre. And then she later, by the way, said, no, I meant masterminds, not massacre. Okay, one time is fine, but there's at least three times where she's on record referring to the Bowling Green massacre. And this has an impact because there was a poll out this week you can't parody, that indicates that a majority of Trump supporters, you guessed it, they believe that the Bowling Green Massacre is a reason to substantiate Trump's travel ban. You can't make it up, folks. Majority of Trump supporters. Anyway, so Kellyanne Conway, and this is not the only lie that she's been telling, but she's been telling a lot of them, She goes on CNN with Jake Tapper, who I already referenced as being the focus of that Saturday Night Live sketch. And this is amazing because nobody noticed this except me. In fact, I alerted Jake Tapper to it after it happened, and I did a story about it for Mediite. And then Stephen Colbert actually played the clip in the context that I'm about to provide you on his CBS late night show, which Tapper was a guest. But listen carefully. This is amazing. And again, in any other administration, this would be known by everybody because it would get weeks of coverage, uh, saturation coverage, because here the counsel to the president, Kellyanne Conway, if you listen carefully, is fully agreeing with Jake Tapper that Donald Trump routinely tells lies but it's not that important, and it's only important because you guys in the media cover it. Listen to this. I'm talking about the president of the United States saying things that are not true, demonstrably not true. That is important, and arguably more important than whoever reached you at your daughter's play.
0: Well, are they are they more important than the many things that he says that are true that are making a difference in people's lives? I just think we want coverage distra- of that as They well. distract
1: from them. They distract from the things he says. You know, the last part of that, if, they, if they're if they covered, they do. I didn't even realize what she meant by that until just a few minutes ago when I was listening to the clip, reviewing it for the show. I didn't even put that in the column that I wrote about this, which, again, you can find at com for Mediate. When I was watching it live, I thought, holy shit, she just acknowledged that President Trump, lies routinely, and that it's not that important. So I immediately had Mediate grab the clip, and I wrote something up, and I sent it to Jake Tapper via direct message on Twitter, and he responded, wow, great catch, thanks. He later the next day retweeted uh, the um, my tweet uh, of the article. So he, the guy who did the interview, Jake Tapper, clearly had no idea, which is understandable because when you're in the middle of an interview, you're thinking about a million different things, but he clearly had no idea the implications of what she was saying. So again, let's review. She agrees? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true, Jake. He is a pathological liar, but is that as important as the things that he says that are occasionally true, that are helping people's lives? And then Tapper says, well, it takes away from his message. And she says, well, if they're reported, they do. So in other words, it's the media's fault. If they just didn't report on Trump's lies, they wouldn't have a negative impact, folks. And I think she means it. I think she really means it. She is as all in as it gets. You know, the Fatal Attraction Saturday Night Live sketch, well, I I didn't think it was all that funny. I think in the broader scheme of things, it kind of captures Kellyanne Conway. She has lost her fucking mind. She, she, um, she has a goal. I don't know what the goal is. There's a, Politico has an article out indicating that she might want to be chief of staff. I, I, I don't know. To see the, the, the thirst, the lust in her eyes when it comes to pleasing Trump, I got to believe it's money. I, I, I can't believe. I mean, who wants to be chief of staff that badly? I mean, who, who, who cares? But I think she wants money. Badly. And I think she sees uh, Trump and she wants fame, fame and money. Uh, You got to remember, she ran a Ted Cruz super PAC less than a year ago and very dramatically criticized then candidate Donald Trump. She's a real, at least has been most of her career, a real conservative. And, And now she's like a cult member. She is a full on cult member. And further proving her loyalty and i think this is exactly what happened she, you know she, she now looks at any opportunity to go on television as a way to kiss Donald Trump's ass and ingratiate herself to him so she goes on fox and friends and in the category of you just can't fucking make this up in the aftermath of poor ivanka trump i mean cuz you know this the struggle is real folks poor ivanka trump Having her brand be dropped by Nordstrom. Oh my gosh. You know, it's just so sad. And the and it provoked the president of the United States to tweet, by the way, not just tweet from his own account, but retweet it from the official president of the United States account. An attack on Nordstrom for having the gall to drop her. Doesn't mention it was because of dramatically dropping sales because of him, which is, of course, why this is bothering Trump so much, right? It's always about him. He, he feels like he's to blame for his daughter's business suffering. Or I mean, who knows if he's even has the self-awareness to acknowledge that. But he, he's at least concerned that people might think that. So now it's got to be Nordstrom's fault. And uh, so what does Kellyanne Conway do? Kellyanne Conway on Fox and & Friends, and it's important to point out, this is from the White House briefing room. So she's doing this from the White House, I believe with the White House emblem behind her as she's speaking on state-run Fox News Channel, Fox and Friends Media. And she not once, we put together two different clips here. These are two clips you're about to hear. Not once, but twice, she goes out of her way to do a QVC commercial for Ivanka Trump's brand. Go second. buy
0: Ivanka's stuff is what I would tell to. I'm going I'm well, go, to go get some on myself today. It's a wonderful line. I own some of it. I fully, I'm going to just give it, I'm going to give a free okay. commercial here. Go buy it today, everybody. You All can right. find it
1: online. Wow. 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 This is a counselor to the president of the United States who is not once but twice on national television from the White House doing a commercial, calling it a commercial. Calling it a commercial for the already, I'm sure, multi million dollar uh, valued, you know, I'm sure that she's a multi millionaire, Ivanka Trump. I mean, she's married to a multi multi millionaire, Jared Kushner, I, and and this we you know this this is the guy who is the man of the people. By the way, he got elected being the man of the people, and on multiple occasions. He is this week attacking the media and Nordstrom for having the gall to attack his daughter. And by the way, has also has had his people, Sean Spicer, the House White House press secretary, say, or at least acknowledge, that it is an attack on the president for Nordstrom to drop his daughter. Well, Conway apparently apologized to Trump for doing this, which when I heard about that, I thought, Okay, <laughs> this must be like a, uh, a whore apologizing to her John for going too far and trying to please him. Like, I'm, I'm sorry that I, I did that. I, I guess I, I shouldn't have gone. I shouldn't have degraded myself quite that dramatically in my effort to satisfy your needs, your highness, because that, that's what occurred here. I really can't believe that Kellyanne Conway gives a shit about whether or not Ivanka Trump is selling enough of her merchandise. Here's what she cares about. She knows what Donald Trump cares about, which is his daughter, and she understands Trump well enough to know that he's wounded personally by this because now his daughter you know, probably blames him at some level for this having happened. So now she's going to rush to his defense, and and by doing so by virtue of rushing to her defense, and show her loyalty is so great that she's willing to clearly commit an ethics violation, if not break the law, because it's as clear as it could be, you're not allowed to do this, especially not from the White House on national television. And of course, Trump backed her 100%, according to her. And so all she cares about is, what does Donald Trump think of me? And by the way, folks, this is more than just an ethical issue. This is way bigger than that. The ethical issue is real. It's significant. And people ought to care about it. But let me put it in terms that you ought to care about. All right? Because Conway is not alone in her thinking here. It's obvious Sean Spicer does the same thing. It's obvious Stephen Miller does the same thing. These are all the people who are closest to President Trump. And if their goal, if their goal is to make Trump like them more or to continue to like them because they are so intoxicated with being close to power, what kind of counsel will they give him? Will they tell him the truth or Like, you know, out of a bad movie, will they tell the Mad King only what the Mad King wants to hear at that moment? It is obvious that Kellyanne Conway is never going to tell Donald Trump something that will think, will even risk, even risk him thinking less of her. No chance. Sean Spicer, same deal. Stephen Miller, for sure. I don't know about Bannon. Prince Priebus, the chief of staff. I don't have any confidence in him saying, "Hey, hey, Donald, you're wrong about this." There are, there's nobody close to him, and, and Ivanka, ironically, is one of the few that might, but she's a liberal. So, and I guess her husband would have the standing to do that, but he's a liberal too. So, uh, there's nobody there. Now, General Mattis, maybe, uh, you know, is a Mad Dog supposedly doesn't give a damn. So, you know, and we've, we, we have that hope, but that's only within a small segment of the overall government. Well, it's a large segment, but it's it's not the whole thing. He's not there all the time. Which leaves Steve Bannon, who's could be fucking nuts. So this is very disturbing. And, uh, you know, all of this was suspected before Trump became president. To me, I guess the greatest surprise is how dramatic it is, how quickly it's all happening. It's happening much more quickly and much more dramatically than I ever imagined. I, I, I didn't think we would be to this point for a year. I really didn't. And the fact that it's this way after three weeks is head spinning, and I don't know how it's all going to end. I, I've, I've said from day one, it won't end well. But I also don't think it's going to end nearly as quickly as a lot of people seem to think. The, the, the idea that Trump's going to somehow <laughs> resign because he doesn't like the office or he's going to be impeached, that's all bullshit, okay? He, he's there for four years barring death, in my view, because the Republican Party cannot possibly do anything. Again, barring massive catastrophe, uh, they cannot do anything because he's a suicide bomber. He controls two large— a segment of the base of the Republican Party. And these cult members would do whatever he says. And if he tells them either stay home or don't vote for a Republican or vote for the Republican opponent, guess what? They're fucked. So the reality is nothing's going to happen to Donald Trump unless and until Democrats control Congress, which I don't want to have happen. So this is all a a goddamn mess. And, you know, one of the things that we're going to start seeing now is that you know yeah we're only 3 weeks in but we're not even really seeing any imminent action on the really large agenda items that Trump promised he's you know these executive orders they're mostly for show they don't do a heck of a lot and as we've already seen with the the travel ban which i never really felt that passionately about anyway because i don't think it was implemented properly i don't understand of limiting it to just those seven countries. I mean, to me, you're going to, if you're going to do it, go all out, do the whole thing. I mean, you're going to take the political damage. You might as well block a whole lot of other countries that, that are going to be at least as likely to cause a problem as the seven that you picked. But anyway, the reality is there's a lot of things that aren't happening. I mean, tax, Obamacare has not been repealed. (laughs) Isn't going to be repealed anytime soon. Where the hell are my tax cuts? Forget about the uh, special counsel to investigate Hillary Clinton. That ain't happening. Uh, what about the Obama's executive order DACA uh, you know, for so-called dreamers, illegal immigrants? That hasn't been rescinded, and that would be easy. He doesn't need congressional approval to do that. He can, he can do that automatically. He hasn't done that. Instead, he has taken this honeymoon period, and this is the time period. I know it's only three weeks, but this time period is critical. I mean, his his honeymoon was already going to be shorter than any other presidents, but heck, you know, honeymoons are something that Trump should be good at. He's already had three of them in real life, but this honeymoon period was already going to be shorter than normal because he came in having lost the popular vote and he, he came in with record low approval ratings, record high disapproval ratings, but he's got Congress, something, you know, Ronald Reagan didn't have when he came into office, so The reality is he had a great opportunity, still does have an opportunity here, to get a lot of crap done. And what has been his focus? Where have his energies gone? And I realize the media is partly to blame here, but they're nowhere near totally to blame here because he started every single one of these things. Here have been the items, the targets, if you will, the injustices that have have caused Donald Trump to use the greatest platform in the world to try to correct the size of his inauguration crowd being diminished, his claims of voter fraud, which are bogus, causing him to have lost the popular vote. What difference at this point does it make? The apprentice ratings being worse for Arnold Schwarzenegger than for him how mean Saturday Night Live is and how unfunny it is. The attack on his daughter because Nordstrom dropped her because her sales sucked. These are some of the topics. These are the injustices, if you will, that Donald Trump has focused a lot of attention on. Now, Did they get more media coverage than they deserved? Yes. But in every single one, every single one of those, and there are others that I didn't mention, in every single one of those episodes, Trump started it, then the media reacted, and then Trump reignited it with either another tweet and or a comment from either him or one of his spokespeople. So Trump is largely, mostly to blame. For all of this, and this has implications. Now I know a lot of people think this is genius. This is uh, this is Trump, you know, creating a distraction from bad news, and so he can actually, while while the media is focused on all this bullshit, he can actually get stuff done. Well, I, I'm not seeing any evidence of that actually happening. See, I I'm of the belief that Trump's a clown, and that there is no real plan here, and. What's really happening is he's blowing an enormous amount of political capital. Blowing his honeymoon period when he could be getting a lot of things done. In, in a lot of different ways. And he's going to diminish his ability to get things done because while his core is always going to be with him, that core is going to, you know, we're going to be down to the nub here eventually, the way things are going. And that nub, I'm not sure what it is. Is it 30%, 35%, 40%? It's somewhere in that range. But, you know, and that's not in the danger zone, given the passion of his base for like impeachment or something. But for getting things done, that's not helpful at all, especially in, in areas where you need Congress. And what pisses me off is, can you imagine yourself if you had that kind of platform, the largest, most powerful platform in the world to focus attention, to shine light on whatever you thought was an injustice. And there's so many of them in this world today. Would you ever even think about using almost all of that ammunition, all of that platform to try to rectify fake personal affronts Cause that's what Trump is doing. It's all about him. It's all about his own ego. And they're not even real affronts. They're fake, almost all of them. By the way, I left attacking the media off that list because I hate the goddamn media more than anybody. It it, it troubles me greatly that Trump's the guy that ends up doing this. But you know, I'm not going to defend the media. The media gets pretty much what they deserve uh, because they've been so corrupt and so inaccurate for so long. It's great irony, of course, that now that they're actually telling the truth by and large, not always, there are some situations where they're not telling the truth about Trump. And it's because they see Trump through a particular prism. By the way, it's a prism I see Trump through. And so they interpret information, like for instance, from anonymous sources in a way that's much more negative than the evidence would warrant. And I think they're actually doing themselves a disservice because now anybody who likes Trump even a little bit is completely disregarding all of this. Anything that's from anything remotely anonymous sourcing, if people aren't seeing it for themselves, it makes no difference at all. Because if it's in, from a source or doesn't matter how many sources it is, people presume, oh, they're just out to get Trump. Trump, And Trump understands this. He's inoculating himself from this. He, he basically has immunity from any media created disease now because he's called everybody fake news and everyone anyone who has any admiration for him at all is automatically going to discount what the evil mainstream news media says i wish they would do that in situations where the mainstream news media was actually lying but for the most part they're not with regard to trump but you know i'm already starting to to see a lot of Hardcore Trump supporters say, well, he's already done so much in three weeks. What the fuck has he actually done? I I, I mean, yeah, we got the Gorsuch pick, which I praised dramatically. By the way, he's not yet confirmed. So let, let's not quite cheer until he's confirmed. This week there was a little conflict there because Gorsuch apparently to U.S. senators criticized Trump criticizing the so-called judge in the travel ban case which then Trump basically lied about on Twitter, but that's typical Trump. But yeah, I I applaud Gorsuch. Um, There was this week, there were some light immigration raids, including here in Southern California. Although what I'm reading about that is one, they're not that big. They're not any different than what Obama was doing. And in fact, these particular raids were already planned well before Trump ever took office. What we have here is, again, this goes back to what I said about the media and prism and narrative. They see Trump through the prism of, oh, he's he hates immigrants. So now anything that ICE does or the federal government does, which is perfectly normal, which is to have immigration roundup or raids or what have you, whatever you want to call them, all of a sudden now it's part of this grand plan and scheme to go get Pedro. Well, n- no, no actually President Obama was doing a lot of this. It just didn't get reported. Why? Because that didn't fit the narrative. That wasn't the prism through which the media saw Barack Obama. So the government's doing, from what we can tell, exactly what it's been doing for the last several years. It's just now it's perceived differently because Trump's in charge. Trump, by the way, tried to take credit for it on Twitter today, saying this was him fulfilling campaign promise when there's no evidence of that. And again, if he was really going to fulfill his Campaign promises. Remember, I I was told there would be mass deportation forces. I I was told at one point in the campaign all illegal immigrants, not just the criminal illegal immigrants. Of course, I never quite understood that distinction, since if you're in the country illegally, aren't you already an criminal illegal immigrant? But okay, whatever. The as I've already mentioned, he did not has not yet rescinded the uh, Obama DACA order on Dreamers. And so there's a whole lot of things he could do, who has not has not done, and in fact, this week there. And granted, this is from the media, so who knows if it's true or not. But there were some indications that he told U.S. senators he was open to another gang of eight immigration reform bill, which would be all too fucking typical of the way things work, and something I have predicted time and time and time again that there is a far, far greater chance of an amnesty coming out of Congress with Trump as president than there would have been with Hillary Clinton, because Hillary Clinton could never get it through Congress and could never get away with it because of how she's perceived. Trump has the street cred on the issue to be able to sell us out. And that, well, we don't know yet. That's what's going to happen. I think there's a decent chance that it will. As for the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals knocking down the travel ban, I have no idea what to make legally of this ruling. It seems to me as a non-expert that this was a decision that was based in the fact that the, the executive order was poorly written and was haphazardly put together and that certain statements made by Trump and others were used to make this appear to be a ban on Muslims, even though it's not. It appears to me as if a better written, executive order would pass constitutional muster. And that seems to be consistent with how the Trump administration is reacting because after Trump tweeted in all capital letters, which is never a good sign, see you in court exclamation point, uh, less than a day later, the Trump administration was saying, oh yeah, well, never mind. We might just rewrite this thing and and start all over. Uh, It's clear they didn't have their shit together. And to me, it's an indication of really one of the, the most underrated elements of why Trump should never have been president, he got perceived as this this guy who gets things done. I've never seen that. I I don't, I don't view him as competent. I, I don't think that he's going to be able to make the trains run on time. And this travel man is a classic example of that. But we're already seeing within the state-run media the narrative starting, and Matt Drudge and Sean Hannity pushed this this week, that it's not Trump to blame for the lack of the uh, movement, the actually getting things done. No, no, it's the Republican Congress. It's, a, it's the gutless Republican Congress's fault for you know, why Obamacare hasn't been repealed yet. There's no movement on tax cuts and what have you. Well, wait a minute. No, I'm sorry. I, I'm just not buying that. You, you can't do it that way. I mean, Trump is a, basically a dictator, everyone's afraid of him, in Congress. He wants something done in Congress. Get it done. How about, how about using some of your political capital to focus attention on why Congress isn't doing what you want instead on why Nordstrom dropped your daughter? How about that? That might be a really good first start. And then I might be willing to blame the Republican Congress for not acting. Now, from a substantive standpoint of all of the crazy things that happened this week, there's one other story I want to focus on real fast. And that is National Security Advisor Mike Flynn. And I have mentioned Flynn numerous times on this podcast as the one guy, if I had to pick one, one choice that Trump made with regard, you know, I hire all the best people. Remember, he says that, he said that during the campaign. I hire all, I'm going to hire all the smartest people. It's going to be great. We're going to make America great again. Mike Flynn was the one guy that made me go, Really? National Security Advisor, because from what I can tell, Mike Flynn is a conspiracy nut job. And while there have been some really good things said about his service in the military, to me, uh, he did not belong as National Security Advisor. Well, this week there was a story that, much like with Kelly and Conway, you know that whole thing with the Nordstrom commercial that she did for Ivanka should have gotten her fired or forced her to resign instead she gets back to 100%. What the Washington Post reported this week about Mike Flynn, 100% in any prior administration would have forced his firing or resignation. Because the Washington Post has not one, not two, not 3, not 5, not 6, not 8, nine different sources which tells you a lot of people in the White House want Mike Flynn either out or castrated. Nine sources. That say that Mike Flynn lied about the nature of the phone calls that he had with the Russian ambassador right after President Obama announced sanctions against Russia for their role in hacking into our election. And apparently, Flynn is not just a conspiracy nut job; he's also stupid, which sometimes goes hand in hand because he didn't realize he's going to be the National Security Advisor this was during the transition, he didn't realize that there was a transcript or at least there's some transcripts of his communications with the Russian ambassador. And not only that, he apparently told Vice President Mike Pence that he never talked sanctions with Russia. So Pence went out on national television and vouched for him. Now Pence is backing off of that and you know, clearing away all the bull crap. Here's what it seems like happened. Here's what it seems like happened. Flynn wanted to assure Russia hey, don't worry about these sanctions. When we take over, we'll make sure our buddies are taken care of because Flynn's a, a buddy of Putin, just like Trump is. He got invited, I think, last year or the year before that to Russia by Putin for a dinner where he sat right next to Putin, got an award of some sort, uh, along with uh, Rex Tillerson, also got an award from Putin, the Secretary of State. And He told them, hey, look, don't worry about this. This would be (laughs) not just inappropriate, probably illegal. And he lies about it. And then he lies to the vice president about it. Makes him look like an ass. And so far, there's been no action against Flynn. But interestingly, Kellyanne Conway went on television, was asked about it, and said that she would say nothing about Flynn. There have been some other comments from people in the administration Where they are unwilling to defend Flynn. I hope this is not true. I hope this is just the president of the United States lying his ass off. But Friday night, Trump was asked about the Washington Post report after making sure he didn't get any questions about it at his joint press conference with the prime minister of Japan. And Trump said he was unaware. This is a guy who consumes, I guess it's reading. So if it was on television, he might have seen it. I guess Fox News Channel, Fox and Friends must not have done a story on it. So. Maybe he wasn't lying, but I'm hoping that he's una- he's actually lying when he said I- he was unaware of the story regarding Mike Flynn talking sanctions with Russia. Now, making this even more troubling is the fact that on the same day that we learned about this, and I wrote a whole column about how nutty Friday was, Friday was fucking insane. And yet, I don't think most Americans even thought Friday was all that different than the first 15 15- days days of the Trump administration. So go to freespeechbroadcasting.com and check out my Freaky Friday column or just google John Ziegler Freaky Friday and I go through everything that happened on Friday in chronological order and how just crazy insane the whole thing was. But one of the things that happened late in the day is that we learned that guess what? Remember that Russian dossier story that Trump called fake news? from CNN and BuzzFeed got so attacked, although I defended them at Mediate for having published the full dossier. Well, it turns out that at least parts of that dossier have now been corroborated by U.S. investigators, multiple U.S. investigators to CNN. Now, the whole thing has not, but it hasn't been debunked either. And the fact that they can corroborate key conversations cited in that dossier gives it enormous credibility, because if it was all bullshit, you wouldn't be able to do that because you can't make that kind of shit up and get lucky and be right. Oh, you just happened to know that these two people talked in this city on this day, and now we know it's true. And this happened on, this is more than one data point in the dossier. Now, I'm not saying that the whole dossier is true, but my whole thing all along has been there's too much smoke here. There's got to be something. There has to be something that either tr- they have on Trump or fear, or Trump fears that they have on Trump because that's basically the same thing. In fact, it might even be more powerful if Trump just thinks they have something on him than they- if they actually do. So the reality is this, that this comes out on the same day as the Flynn story. In a rational, remotely rational world, Flynn is fired. So far, No indication of that at all. Although I I have to believe that even in the insane, fucked up world that is the Trump administration, Flynn can't survive this because there's too many people around him now who want him gone, and he's got no support anywhere. The most underrated story, by the way, of the week, and you know this is this is probably something I should do every week because it's going to be nutty. Because there's so many stories to talk about that inherently you're going to have some that are underreported. I don't know if this is true, but it certainly sounded true. It was from a mainstream publication, and it's kind of a weird thing to make up. And it seemed to come directly from Mike Flynn. But Mike Flynn apparently was called by Donald Trump this week. I think it was this week. It was reported this week at 3 a.m. Now, that would be troubling enough, okay? Not necessarily, Because, you know, the president calls the National Security Advisor at 3 a.m. Maybe something big has happened, right? I don't mind that that happens if if there's something provoking it. No, 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 no. This was apparently because Trump just wasn't sleeping. Because Trump doesn't sleep, which I think is part of his nuttiness. I I think he's got a a physical issue. And I I think it it fucks with his memory. I think it fucks with his mind. But I digress. Here's the story. Trump calls Flynn at 3 a.m., and asks the National Security Advisor, does the United States want the dollar to go up or the dollar to go down? If that's true, holy fucking shit. Now, I have always uh, had my own confusion as to whether or not we want the dollar to go up or want the dollar to go down. So I, but I'm not President of the United States, nor will I ever be. I also wouldn't call Mike fucking Flynn. A conspiracy nut job who's the national security advisor with no economic expertise whatsoever. And I certainly wouldn't call it 3 a.m., all right? But this is where we are now. So this week, let's just review the Twitter insanity of Donald Trump in reverse order. This is going from today backwards. He claimed as a conspiracy theory that Bernie Sanders got cut off of CNN because he referred to CNN as fake news. Sanders was joking, and it was just a simple technical issue, as both Sanders and CNN have verified. He quoted a law blog as supporting him on the travel ban court decision, when in fact that law blog disagreed with Trump and actually agreed with the decision, but apparently Trump had misread it on MSNBC. He ripped John McCain for saying that the Yemen raid was not a success, which is just so mind-blowing, considering the fact that John McCain obviously was a prisoner of frickin' war, and Trump is a draft dodger, and here he is ripping John McCain over this, also contradicting his own Iraq War philosophy because the whole reason the Iraq War was not a success was because we lost a lot of American lives there. He claimed Chris Cuomo of CNN never referenced Senator Blumenthal's Vietnam lie about his service when in fact that was the very first question he asked Senator Blumenthal in the interview that Trump was referring to. And oh, by the way, again, where the fuck does Trump get off ripping anybody for their Vietnam claims, considering his own draft dodging? Then of course there was the attack on Nordstrom, not once but twice, saying Ivanka was treated so unfairly, retweeting it from the official President of the United States Twitter account. And then he also said that any negative polls are fake polls? That's a direct quote from the president of the United States. Any negative polls are fake polls. Just like, by the way, the Trump administration claimed that the Russian dossier being corroborated story on CNN was fake news. That was their response. That ah, fake news. Anything we don't like, fake news. It's 1984, George Wells, George Orwell's 1984, all over again, folks. Well, as I mentioned, the, the poll of the week, it's not fake. Most Trump supporters believe that the Bowling Green Massacre helped support Trump's travel ban. That's where we are in America in 2017. All right, make sure you listen to hour number two, because in hour number two of this week's podcast, David Frum, senior editor of The Atlantic, former speechwriter for President Bush, will talk about his incredible article, How to Build an Autocracy and Also How to Beat Trump. Uh, So make sure you stay tuned to that in hour number two. I only ask two things of you. If you like this podcast, share it on social media. Tell a friend. Tweet it. Facebook it. I'll retweet it if you tweet it. Just, I do this thing for free. I do it because I think I got a point of view that's not being heard, that needs to be heard. If you agree, share it. That's all I ask. Second thing I ask, if you're one of those people who sleeps, And when you sleep, you use sheets. Make sure you do yourself a favor and listen to this important message.
0: Coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Ugh, like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed, ever. These sheets are, mm, incredibly soft. What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. (laughs) Performance bedding? (laughs) Yeah. They're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh. No wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. (laughs) Well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like, mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should, oh, I don't know. Try them out again. (laughs) (laughs) Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com.